1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 2, all the way to verse 16, Paul writes, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man prophesying or praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. Thank you. You may be seated. I know we're on the verge of a new year, man, even a new decade. And there was a part of me that would like to do a study just encouraging you as you start the new year. Um, but I know that a lot of times those resolutions don't work out, huh? But um, I would say just real quick that it's good to have goals. And I also believe that every day is like a new opportunity. You know, every day is a new beginning. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it says his mercies are new every morning. So I don't know how you feel when you get out of bed, but for me, I'm like, okay, Lord, here we go again. Help me to live a life, live a day, which I please you in every thought and word and all that I do, all that I am. So new days are new beginnings. Obviously, new years are new beginnings. And so as we get out into 2020, I do encourage you to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. What goals do you have? Will you read the Bible through, maybe the New Testament? Will you maybe even, I don't know, um, have uh, more date nights with your wife or maybe more time with your children? Or maybe you're going to be um, seeking God in different ways. Maybe there'll be books. I know I look back in 2019 and I think to myself, uh, man, I should have read a, a couple more books. I read some, but for me, um, I don't know, I, I, I encourage you turn off the television Oh, throw it away. No, I'm saying that sometimes you can use a television for good. But just ask God, Lord, what is it that you want from me as we go into the new year? And so have some goals. There's nothing wrong with that. Get healthy. I don't know. Exercise as God would lead you. Uh, these new beginnings are new opportunities. And so nothing wrong with that. Um, but I didn't end up doing that. What the Lord just showed me is just keep teaching through the Bible 
Because that's one, one of the things we're known for in Calvary Chapel is just teaching through the scriptures. And even some of these texts that are a little difficult, uh, they're all uh, important. They're all uh, edifying. We need to know what we're studying today. And so if I were to give you an outline, I would say uh, three things. Uh, first, we're going to see how we need to test our traditions. Testing traditions. And then in verse 3, we're going to see the personal positions and how we need to embrace them. And we see God even modeling it for us. And then throughout the text, we're going to see what Paul talks about here with the head, the shawls, is the cultural convictions. And so in Corinth, if you wore a, a shawl, it meant that you acknowledged a human authority over your life. And so for a woman to wear a shawl in Corinth, it meant she had a husband. And so think about that, ladies. If every day you put a shawl over your head as you went out in public, and it's like every day you're reminding yourself, you have your husband to protect you. You have your husband that God has given you to, to lead you in life. And so that was something they did in Corinth. The, hu the husband couldn't wear the, the covering because he didn't have that kind of human authority. God was his authority. So if he wore a covering, this is in Corinth, then it was improper. And so it's very cultural, uh, and we'll see that. And uh, for us, it, it doesn't uh, um, apply. You know, if, a, if, a, if we don't have to wear a shawl, ladies, I hope you're okay with that. We're not going to make you wear a shawl. Nowadays, if a guy has long hair, nothing wrong with that. I think even Jesus probably had long hair because he was a Nazarene. Um, but again, this is a cultural thing. So wherever you go in different places in the world, you're going to see that there's different cultures, huh? Like uh, some countries, uh, which one? Uh, oh, yeah, Nicaragua, Nicaragua. From what I understand, if you go to Nicaragua, you don't point with your finger. There's a lot of places you don't point with your finger. You point with your lips. You go like that. You do that. That's what you do in Nicaragua, from what I understand. You know, um, certain places you go to, especially in the Middle East, you don't do anything with your left hand, really. I mean, there's just different cultures, different things. So, um, you know, what I was thinking about as we enter into this section of Corinthians, basically what Paul does is, is almost as if he were to, he went to their church or he heard about their church service and he said, there's some things there that need to change. There's some corrections that need to take place. I was, I, I was actually thinking it would be kind of like um, Pastor Chuck Smith, who uh, founded Calvary Chapels, uh, and the Lord used him to do that. It would be almost as if he came to our church and he sat in the back and, and he said, you know, it's good what you're doing there, but there's a few things that you're doing wrong. Um, number one, in Corinth, uh, he would say, you know, you need to wear, you know, your shawls. And we're going to see Paul talks about that. Uh, you guys, when you have your communion, you're, you're not doing it right. It's not a love feast. You're not letting others go and get the food. You're going in front of them. And then when you guys are in church, Paul was writing to the Corinthians, everybody's speaking in tongues. There's, there's no teaching. There's no order. And so uh, if Pastor Chuck were to come here, he would look at our church. And, and, you know, what I would say is that I know that he'd be looking for us to be in worship because that's what Calvary chapels do. They, they begin with worship as we're preparing our hearts. And then he would be looking for us teaching through the word. Are you just teaching through 
the word. And, and so, you know, that's kind of what I see Paul doing here. What he's saying is this corrections that need to be made. But before I correct you, let me give you a little commendation. Look at verse 2 again. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. As I, as I said, Paul is going to correct them, but before he does, he commends them. They say that you need tact in order to make contact, right? And so it's good to have uh, some of that positive conversation in the midst of what might be perceived to be a negative, right? It makes it more palatable to take the medicine if you put maybe a little sugar with it, right? And so that's kind of what Paul is doing. I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and you keep the traditions. He's giving them that, you know, that commendation. And we need to know this. I think just as a quick side note, it's good to communicate that way with everyone. Imagine your child comes home with a report card, four B's and one D. And all you focused on was the D. What's wrong with you? Why did you get the D? What's wrong? Why? You know, and, and sometimes people do that. All they f- focus on is that's a bad part. Paul doesn't do that. He says, no, this is a good thing that you're doing. You know, as a matter of fact, I, I think it would be uh, more effective and wise if even if your child came home with one B and four Ds, you could frame your words better and you would say something like, you know, good job in science. I'm proud of you for getting that that B, uh, but I'll bet you can pull up those Ds. What can I do to help you? I, I think there's wisdom in the way that we approach things. They say that's what Paul is doing here. I, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. And so right here, the word traditions is a great translation. Some of you might have an NIV or some of the other versions, and they use the word teachings. Not a good translation there. What the traditions were, literally it means given over. Literally, this Greek word means handed down. And so what the Jews had was they had what was called the oral uh, traditions or, or the Mishnah. What they would do is they would take the Bible that Moses wrote, and that was in writing, that was the teachings, and they would hand down the oral traditions. And this is how you keep the teachings. And so Paul is saying to them, I, I'm proud of you the way that you have kept the the traditions i mean here's the word and you guys are practicing it well Uh, how many of you here like traditions i'm just curious i love traditions i really do every year christmas eve we go to a restaurant in pasadena with my family and uh and it's just a beautiful tradition every single you know christmas eve i don't know it's kind of like if that didn't happen it would be weird you know or um, I, I was uh, the Saldana family. Some of you know Ray and Steph. They sent us a video of their tradition. Whenever they decorate the tree, they always play the uh, Chipmunks Christmas CD. And then can you visualize all the Saldana kids with that music playing, uh, you know, decorating the tree? I remember when I was uh, first starting my family, I remember someone told me um, that you should establish some type of family identity something to kind of keep you cohesive to keep you intact and there are a lot of ways to do that of course it's ultimately in the lord 
But traditions, when you do something like every year or on a consistent basis, it really helps with that. So, you know, traditions are great in, in different ways. Of course, right here he's talking more about the religious traditions, right? And maybe some of you here, you were raised in the Catholic Church, a very traditional church. Um, some things about it are probably okay um, when you really take it for what it means. And other things, I think, unfortunately, have gone um, you know, to where they don't mean a lot, towards just the traditions of men. And so that's why the first point, and I want to encourage you guys to do, is to test the traditions. Test them. Are they biblical? You can't be here and say, well, we always have done it that way. I was born a you know, Buddhist, I'm going to die a Buddhist. I was born a Catholic, I'm going to die a Catholic. No, why do you have that tradition? You know, Jesus talked about this in Mark chapter 7, and where the religious leaders, they started making traditions that were not biblical. And he says there in Mark chapter 7, verse 9, you nullify the word of God by your traditions. Because what they were doing is they were forbidding the people to help their parents financially by, you know, finding some kind of a loophole they created in which they could give that money to the Jewish temple instead. And so it was wrong. You know, you guys remember that commandment, honor your father and your mother? You guys know that commandment? That commandment is not just for little kids, you know, to obey their parents. That commandment also goes all the way to where the parents are older. The kids should take care of them. There's a financial obligation in that sense. And that's why you parents should teach, treat your kids good because the days are going to come where they're going to kind of take care of you. And so what they were doing by forbidding the people to help their parents when they got older is where Jesus said you were nullifying the word of God through your tradition. So all I encourage you to do is it doesn't matter you do it all the time. It doesn't matter that the church does it all the time. Test it. Test it. Because what we find in life is that methods are many, principles are few, methods always change, but principles never do. The traditions must be, they must be linked to truth. Some traditions are good when they're rooted in the word. Uh, Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 6 about traditions that were good, but there were other traditions that were not good in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4 and Colossians 2 verse 8. Paul talked about the traditions of men. And so I encourage you along those lines. Good traditions, keep them. Test them because they might be bad. So he mentions the traditions, but then he mentions the positions. Again, notice in verse 3. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Now, what he's talking about here is the reason he's talking about it is because of the shawl thing. When Paul went or Paul heard about their services in Corinth, there are some ladies going to church and they're thinking, well, I'm free. I can do, you know, I'm, it doesn't say that in the Bible. I you know, have to wear a shawl over my head. And I know everyone else does it, but now I'm free. Now I'm a Christian. And they, and they went to service, and they weren't wearing their shawls. And basically what they were doing is they're, 
making a lot of people stumble. You know, Damien Kyle, I was listening to a study by him, and he was telling me about how there were these two missionary gals that went to do missions work in a country in uh, the Middle East. And he said that when they, um, when they were uh, there, that every morning they would go to the rooftop and they would have their cup of coffee, they would read their Bibles, and they would go out into the mission field. But what happened was their, their work wasn't effective. And Damien Kyle had said it was even for two years. And so finally, one day, they were in the marketplace, and someone pulled them aside, and they said, you know what, I need to let you know something. The reason why people aren't uh, listening to you is because the practice of you going up to the rooftop and having your cup of coffee and that before the, the day starts, that's what the prostitutes do. It was, a, it was a cultural practice that they weren't aware of, and in the process, they were making everyone stumble. And so sometimes, and Paul talks about this in the whole, the whole section right here, sometimes we have to be aware more of our witness than our liberties. And so when you, when you wore, uh, went out and without a shawl, you were dishonoring your head. And, and right, that's why right here, Paul here is going to talk about, about the whole thing, about lordship, about headship how the head of Christ is the Father, how the head of man is, is Christ, and the head of woman who is married is her husband. And it's an important thing for us to know. If you embrace the Bible as your authority, you're going to find that God is a God of order and has established a loving flow of authorities in all of our lives in both church and family. And so when you look at Jesus, I like to tell people we've been given truth from the top, all motivated by the love of our leader. And, and what we find is that even within the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there is a spiritual structure. There is order, right? Remember we talked about this before? The Trinity. We believe in the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all equal in essence and nature, but not in function and office. So even though the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they've all, we always existed, and they're equal, just like men and women are equal, what we find is there is an order, there is a spiritual structure that needs to be maintained. We see it in the Gospel so clearly how Jesus submits to the leadership of his Father. Jesus never said anything. Think about that. He never said anything, never went anywhere, never did anything unless his Father was leading him, right? That doesn't mean that Jesus isn't God because we know as we read the Scriptures, clearly he is. But we find that even as God, he submitted to his Father. You know, Paul here, he, he, he writes to us, and, and notice again in, in verse 3, he says, but I, I want you to know this. The, the Greek word means to perceive this. I want you to see this, that the head of every man is Christ, the head of uh, woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. And so um, I want you to know this. Men, now we'll talk to the men here. And, you know, the hard part about doing a study like this is that, man, you can't help but offending people. That's okay, though, huh? That's why a lot of people don't like me. I remember Pastor Raw, he gave, he gave a video. He said, a lot of people are going to hate you. What can you do? 
What can you do? Guys, it's a challenge. You need to follow Jesus. You need to listen to the voice of your Lord. You're wondering sometimes why your wife is having a struggle with you or why life is the way it is. At the end of the day, it's because we're not, we forgot he's my head. Jesus is my Lord, right? Ephesians 1.22 says that Jesus is the head over all things to the church. Ephesians 4.15 all right, right, that, that Jesus is the head. Ephesians 5.23, Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. We see the same thing in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. You're like, well, what does that mean? It, it means so much. Because I tell you what, I need him to be my head. I know who I am, especially me. When it comes to spiritual wisdom, I have a total of zero zero spiritual wisdom i don't know what tomorrow holds but he does that's why i need his spiritual wisdom bible says lean not to your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path he knows where where to go and, and you don't know if you think you do you might be in big trouble you have to listen to his marching orders and so for me i have zero wisdom and I have very little common sense. I need him to be my head. You know, without him, in all honesty, I'm so lost. Uh, if you guys remember the visual, how many of you here saw, uh, seen the chicken where they cut off the head and it runs around? Have any of you guys ever seen that? We should show a video, huh? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I mean, that would be us, me with no head, you know. Another ugly visual would be like a chicken with two heads, right? And we know that that's a monster, but thankfully we have a head and only one. His name is Jesus. And so men, I encourage you, us, let's let Jesus be our brains. Let's let him determine our every decision. Don't think you're smart enough because you're not. Let's let the Messiah be our mind. Let's get Christ capture every thought. We have to, you know, embrace or know our place, our position, that we are under him, under his lordship. Just as a, Jesus submitted to the Father, we have to have it in our heart to submit to Christ, you know, and you want to be a good leader. I've told you guys a million times that the way to be a good leader is to be a good follower of Jesus. And so what he's saying right here is, hey, guys, you know, I give you the example of the, the, the way that the son submitted to the father. Guys, that's how I want you to submit to, to Jesus. Don't be one of those guys who says, I'm going to do it my way or I'm going to be the captain of my own ship because then you'll sink at the bottom of the ocean. Paul says, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of woman is man. Now, this is not a reference to every man over every woman. This is the teaching for husbands and wives in the marvelous mission of marriage. Um, Ephesians 5, uh, 22 through 24, it tells us very clearly, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands 
in everything. And then, so you get the guys a little mad because sometimes you're challenging them. Hey, man, you got to, you know, ship, shape up or ship out or whatever, you know, you're trying to tell them, you know, be in prayer, be in the word, listen to the marching orders of the Lord. You know, um, don't do this on your own. And you're really challenging the guys. And then, and then with the gals, a lot of times they don't like that message. You know, you mean to tell me that I have to submit to him? If I do, you know, we'll lose our house. And maybe you will, but maybe you'll find a home. It's okay. Let him lead. Let him lead. Because he needs to fail sometimes. Just like with our children, right? What if you did everything for your kids? You know, what if you're one of those controlling parents and you did everything for your kids? And you never, well, why? Because you're so afraid of them failing. Then you prevent them from growing. So you have to let them lead. You know, you have to have not just actions that are submissive, because they can see right through that. You have to have an attitude that is submissive. Sweetheart, I, I, I know, you know, I'm here for you. I support you. I love you. We're going to make some mistakes. It doesn't mean that you don't, you know, share your thoughts or your heart. And I'll tell you what, if the guy does his part, which is a husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church, I tell you what, I mean, it's going to make it a lot easier when both begin to do their part, right? But even if they don't, it doesn't water down the truth of what God's calling us to do. It's just, just knowing the traditions, knowing the positions. Marriage is not just about happiness. It's about holiness, right? How God will use you in each other's lives to be the greatest influence upon one another, and he also wants to use you to be an influence in others' lives, your children and even your church, and even the challenges of the world. Marriage really is a mission. And wherever there is mission, there must be submission, right? Sometimes you don't know who's in charge. You know, some people fight, I'm in charge. No, no, let the Lord have his you know, spiritual structure. It's very important. The Bible talks about keeping rank. I mean, these things are important everywhere you go, your workplace. Imagine, you know, you're a coach or you're a football team, you know, and it's like, who makes the decisions? Well, I don't know. Let's, I don't know, flip a coin. No, you're the, you know, the coach. Lead. Lead. Sometimes husbands don't lead. They're very, very passive. And they think that they're doing good with God because they let their wife lead. Well, I made her happy. We didn't fight. Doesn't matter. Sometimes you're going to have conflict, husbands, wives, because you're two different people. And sometimes a husband has to say, hey, sweetheart, I love you. And some, it's also hard, you know, for us when we're making these decisions because you love her. You want to make sure that you love her. But at the same time, if the Lord is showing you as a husband a certain direction, you have to follow Jesus. I know some couples, they never fight, never, because the husband always gives his wife her way. I don't think that's good. Husbands got to lead. Wives, 
You have to have that attitude of submission. If he messes up, God's going to get him. But not you. Because you did what God asked you to do. Right? What we find is that, man, when there's no clue as to who's in charge or who's leading, who's responsible, when there's no authority, then there's anarchy. Without order, there's disorder. Without roles, we're ruined. And without submission, then the mission will fail. You know, Paul goes on in our text today, and, and he just says, and you can't destroy those cultural symbols of this, how a wife would wear a shawl over her to make it clear to everyone that she had a human authority, and also to make it clear to herself as well. And then the husband would not wear the shawl because his leader wasn't human. His leader was God. Now that's an interesting thing because the Jews, they would wear a head covering, huh? They had, and even now, a yarmulke. For the Jews, they wear something over their head to remind them of the fact that God's over them. But you see, this is why the cultural thing is so important. Paul here is doing what he said in 1 Corinthians 9. I beat my body and I bring it into subjection lest when I preach to others I be disqualified. I, I, I become all things to all men. And in Corinth, I don't wear a covering because I want them to be saved. It's not about me. It's about us. It's about my witness. Notice what he says here in, in verse 4. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. That would be her husband. For that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. Now in Corinth, as I mentioned earlier, the only ones which the only gals with heads uncovered or shaved or short hair were the prostitutes there that worked in Corinth. And so he's saying, listen, you have to have the head covered. If not, this is what it's, it's, it, other people see it that way. Verse 7, and then he gets into the creation. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Now, I know it's, it doesn't always work this way, but you guys know the book of Genesis, right? The, husband, the man was made first, and then the woman. And the man was made from what? Dirt. Go ahead, ladies, say it. Dirt. <laughs> and, the husband, and the wife was made from what? The rib that was taken out of the man. The woman was made to do what? To help her husband. Right? She was made for him. So there's this order here that God is saying. Not that one is better than the other. I've shared with you guys before, who's, what's better? Who's better, men or women? How many of you say women? No, just... <laughs> and that's why I try to tell you, men are better at being men. Women are better at being women. Generally speaking, men tend to be a little bit less emotionally driven. It doesn't always work that way. But usually there's just that level-headedness. Hey, sweetheart, let's not react too quickly. You know, hopefully guys are like, let's pray about this. 
you know, let's keep level-headed. But what we find is the women, they tend to have that tenderness and emotional. That's okay. That's good. God wired us different. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. We're supposed to be different, right? We complement each other, Isha and Isha. But in looking at it, you know, hopefully women are willing to wear that shawl or to be submissive, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Your husband needs that. Because look what happens here. He says he goes back to creation. Then that's how it all started. Verse 10. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Now I read 27 different commentaries and there was 27 different interpretations. So I'm going to tell you the answer. <laughs> angels are watching. Did you guys know that? Angels see. They're here. And so when they would go into the congregation in Corinth, they would see, wow, what's up with that? They, that? they don't have, they're not wearing their shawls here when in Corinth they're supposed to be wearing their shawls. And so I don't know for sure if for them it just tripped them up on the witness of authority. Others even say, believe it or not, that um, because, you know, uh, the shawl would also be, uh, especially in those days, it would be um, a way of being modest, because when the woman and her hair is, you know, flowing and all that kind of stuff, some say that it would even tempt the angels. Because in Genesis chapter 6, it says that the angels, the sons of God, they saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. There's different interpretations here. But the main thing is it's, it's your witness. Your witness to the Corinthians. Your witness to the people. Even your witness to angels. And so... In verse 12, he says, For as women came from man, even so man... Oh, I'm sorry, let me uh, backtrack here. Verse 11, Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. And so what we find is that we need each other, huh? It's not just that, you know, the gals are saying, well, I was made for you and I came from your rib. Um, all you guys right here came through a woman. You were all born through mom, right? And that's why I like the passage in Galatians 3.28 where it says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And what he's saying there, not that there's no longer a difference. There's still a difference. Jewish, non-Jewish, slave, free, um, male and female, there's still a difference. But there is no, no longer any spiritual advantage or disadvantage. There is this equality that he's talking about. But that doesn't mean that there's not a different role and responsibility for each because there is, there is that different role. And so what we find in verse uh, 13, at the end of the day, the head covering is the cultural issue. And notice again what we read. We're, and this is important. He says, judge among yourselves. Wherever you go, you have to judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her for her hair is given to her for a covering. 
But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. And you guys know uh, how things change. How many of you here think Jesus had long hair? How many of you here don't think he had long hair? And you guys, the rest of you are just asleep. You're like, <laughs> I have no, I don't know. He, they say he had, they had the Nazarene, Nazarene, he was a Nazarene. And some say that because of that, he had long hair. And that's why you, the depictions you see of him is that. But there are seasons, there were times, things change, somehow it happens. In the culture that we have today, you don't have to wear a shawl. You know, you go to some churches down the street and they don't understand verse 16. Verse 16 says, but if anyone seems to be contentious, in other words, someone's debating this, if they're fighting about this issue, no, I don't want to wear a shawl. If it, you know, it becomes a cultural thing where it's no longer an issue, then Paul here says, we don't have this custom anymore. It's not a custom. That's why, like I said in the beginning, testing traditions, personal positions, and cultural convictions. You go to different places, they have different rules. You go to Japan, I love this. Like, that's why I want to go to Japan. Did you know that if you go to Japan, it's okay to slurp your food? So you can go and you get the noodles and you can just do that, man. And imagine going to a restaurant, everybody's just slurping their food. And, you know, that would be a cool... I tried that at home and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm all, come on, I'm licking my fingers and everything. What's wrong with this, you know? Um, but no, it, a lot of the times, you guys, we have to take things back to culture. What is this all about at the end of the day? Let's wrap this all up. What is this all about? I think it's all within the context of trying to win people to Jesus. You know, if you went in and someone came from off the street and they're used to the ladies wearing the shawls and you didn't wear a shawl, that person who came that close to coming to Christ goes out the door and they say, I can't go there because those ladies are exercising some type of bizarre freedom that just w went against the culture. And, and what I'm trying to say, and I think what, the, what we're trying to say is, Lord, rather than that, we want to do everything we can you know, to win people to Jesus. You know, like I said earlier, um, all these funerals lately, so many people passing, older ages, younger ages, we want to make sure that people are ready for that day when they die. And so in closing, let me just ask you a question. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you were to die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? If you were standing at heaven's door and God were to say to you, why should I let you in? What would you say? Would you say, because I've been a good person? If so, you'd be in big trouble, man, because there are none good, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. You know, I was sharing with the people in the funeral the other day that, you know, the road to heaven is narrow, and there are few who find it. The road to hell is broad, and most people go that way. Not everyone's going to heaven. Only those who have repented of their sins and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He died on a cross for you. He rose again. And if you don't know where you stand, then God brought you here today so that he can give you life. 
He will forgive you. He will write your name in the book of life. As we start the new year, man, this is what it's all about. He loves you. Do you love him? Not, not just in a traditional aspect, not just in a superficial religious way, but have you really truly given him your heart? If not, I pray today you would and that you would bend the knee and confess with your, your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This guy that accepted the Lord, you know, he didn't get baptized. He didn't have the chance to go through and jump through all the religious hoops. It was kind of like the thief on the cross. All, all he said was, remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. Because Jesus did all the hard work by dying on the cross for every single sin he ever committed. And and if you can say that today, if you're here today and you're like in between, you don't know where you stand, right here, right now, you can say, yes, Jesus, come into my life. And if you say that from your heart,